This is episode 16 of African American with your girl, Six the Goddess. And keep in mind, I'm a goddess and I'm sensitive about my shift. I am well, family. I'm actually, you know, well does not describe how I feel. I actually feel spectacular. I feel amazing. You know, it's it's crazy because at the very least, well, not even at the very least, at the very most, even if things are not going good in your life or things are not even going your way, just remember, I am a black woman or I am a black man. And just remember that you were born with the highest honor that one could have. So I I've began to realize like, Life is amazing every day because every day I'm a black woman. So what else could go wrong? <laughs> you know, so we, we have to focus on that. We have to focus on what we are as opposed to what we are not. Because the reality is we are the greatest and most supreme beings on the show. So on, on the planet, I'm sorry. So let's just go ahead and get into this week's show. As you know, here on African American, I like to use uh, different current events within hip hop, hip hop culture, pop culture, and I like to have discussions about those events and what they mean for us as a people, what they mean for us in regards to racism and, and to oppression, because sometimes we use outdated examples, and I think it's hard for people to really relate and uh, understand certain perspectives when, you know, we're using outdated examples. So I like to take situations that are happening now and I like to talk about them and talk about, you know, what they really mean, you know, subconscious uh, messages that are being delivered with certain things that go on um, today. So let's start this week out with, uh, I know that last week we we talked about the brothers that were that the police were called on them uh at the starbucks and i want to talk about that again because this is what i'm starting to realize (laughs) because i'm officially like done so you know the brothers had an interview all right the, the two brothers that were kicked out of the establishment the brothers have an interview and on the interview The brother says, I just want everyone to understand that this is not a black thing. This is a human thing. And you know, it's crazy because when I first saw the video of the brothers being arrested, I thought to myself too, I said, you know, they look weak to me. They look weak that they are literally like not even, they weren't saying a single word. They weren't even like, hey, what's going on? Like, I thought it was strange that these grown men were not saying anything, you know, where these officers are coming to arrest them for no reason. I I remember thinking to myself, like, what kind of grown ass man is just going to, you know, sit here in these handcuffs and not and not be trying to defend himself whatsoever. I thought that. And this is why we stick to our instincts. Now, regardless of how these brothers think or what mental illness they may suffer from, we still all know that that act 
was extremely racist. We know that it's something that happens all the time. We know that us as black people, we're constantly being watched, followed. We're constantly being stereotyped. We know this is a reality. So regardless of what these brothers had to say, we still know this is a problem for our community. However, I'm looking at the the post interview with these brothers, okay, after the whole Starbucks debacle. And like I said, these brothers, for them to get on national television and sit there, you have the opportunity right now where the perfect example of modern day racism was exhibited against you. You were then given a national platform, a national platform to be able to get up there and speak out for your people and be a voice for your people. And y'all black asses sit on TV and say in front of the entire country that this was not a black thing. This was a human thing. Can we all just get a moment of silence for these mentally ill brothers? Let's just get a moment of silence because one of two things happen. They're either just extremely mentally ill and are just one of those very passive, weak Negroes or they were paid off. You know, okay, so baby, did someone offer you a check for you to get on TV and to say that this was not a black thing? How much did they pay you? Okay, how much did they pay you? Because was it worth it? Because do you know how harmful it is to have racism be exhibited against you and then to get on TV and blame everyone but the people whose fault it is? Do you understand how dangerous it is? to get on television and go against your people like that. Because you know what happens? You empower racist people, okay? Because the people that are watching you on this TV screen are those, you know, entitled, spoiled, racist white people. And they will use your black ass as an example. Like, see, he said it's not a black thing. You have the opportunity to bring awareness and attention to an issue that plagues your entire race of people and you choose to get your big grown ass on this television and tell everyone this is not about being black so then your your our children that come after you that are also profiled and discriminated against guess what you're doing you're setting them up for failure you are doing an injustice for them and see this is what happens you know we live in a selfish and indulgent culture where we're only worried about us. We're only worried about ourselves and how things make us feel and how things work out for us. And we're totally unaware of how our actions affect our children, okay? So now you don't sat in here and got in front of all these people and basically downplayed the pain of all your people for what, a check? And and if it wasn't for a check, then you have, I mean, I would almost rather it have been for a check because if he just willingly got up there and denounced racism like it doesn't exist, that's very sad. <laughs> okay, and, and that's why we have to be to the point, since we know that we're at war right now, before we spend any energy advocating for any one of our brothers or sisters who, you know, are dealing with situations like that, We first have to find out the background of these brothers and sisters. We cannot just keep taking time out of our own lives and and out of our own agendas 
for our people to give our energy or give our time or defense to brothers and sisters that aren't really our brothers and sisters. We can speak on it, like like I said, regardless of the way they think the things that we deal with are still very real, but we really have to vet, okay, our people before we go hard for them. Because I know for those of us that want better for our children, for those of us who want to see real change and real freedom, it's very easy to say, like, to have something like this happen to one of your people and to want to go hard right away. It's very easy to get upset and want to, you know, and want to, and want to, and want to talk and want to advocate and want to be a support for our brothers and sisters that endure dehumanizing situations as so but the reality is there's too many of us that do get it for us to waste our time on our people that don't want to get it because this is all very very simple at this point so our people that run around doing stuff like those brothers did and wasted that platform to basically turn their back on their people we can't waste our time with them because like we like we say on this show all the time anyone that don't get it they just don't want to get it that blows my mind like you had the most blatantly racist thing ever happened to you modern day on camera everyone was on your side everyone was upset for you starbucks is coming through and apologizing this was your perfect opportunity to to speak up and you dropped the ball. And, and these are the Negroes you got to leave behind. So I know for me, I will not be opening my mouth about nan nigga unless I know for a fact where your head is at. Because I'll be damned if I waste my energy on you when there's plenty other brothers or sisters that need my energy, that need our energy, that need our concern, that need our support. You know, same with Stefan Clark. I told everybody, I'm like, should a nan black person be shedding a tear for Stefan Clark? Clark, yes. Are they? Could Stefan Clark have been anybody? Yes, but Stefan Clark didn't fuck with you at all. He was black in skin, but white in mind. So why would we sit and waste our tears on him when there are plenty other of our brothers and sisters that love us and advocate us and support us back? If you put yourself in relationships of any kind where the energy that you are giving out is not being reciprocated, that is a form of not exercising self-love. Because if you really love yourself, if you really view your energy as important and valuable, you're not going to waste it. And you're definitely not going to give it to someone who does not reciprocate. So, you know, Negroes like him, you know, you, y'all, y'all, can't, even, y'all can't even get a, a prayer from me. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all can't even get a blink from me. I'm done. I am so done with Negroes that be on stuff like that. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just to the point where it's like, listen, you know, y'all that be on stuff like that, just stay away from me. I'm not even going to argue with you no more. I'm not going to, like, stress myself out. You, you, you are a waste of time. Just keep it moving. Now let's talk Kim Zolciak. I love it when white people 
accidentally show their racism. Like, I love it when they get upset or things don't go their way. And then that, 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 those words on how they really feel accidentally come out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? When they put up the front, like, I have black friends. I hate Trump. I love all people. I don't see color. And then after all that, like they accidentally blurt out something racist. Like I I love that. Like that brings me to life. So if you don't know Kim Zosiak, which you probably don't because who cares? We have way better people that we need to know about. But if you don't know Kim Zosiak, she is one of the housewives on uh the real housewives of atlanta um so uh i believe that they were filming some kind of reunion you know on a reality show they always have their like reunion specials or whatever so they were uh recording the reunion and the, the black girls were being so mean to her. So she's in the back and she's having a meltdown. And she's like, this whole racism thing is bullshit. Like, if it, if it wasn't for social media, this racism stuff wouldn't even exist. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, her husband was there and stuff. And even her husband's face, like, he was floored like he it's like he was looking at her like he could not believe what she was saying she's like this racism is shit is straight bullshit and I'm sure that she'll have some kind of disclaimer coming through later about how she didn't mean it like that and we all just misunderstood what she was saying you know that's the next step but anyway that is a perfect example of you know what people say and what people do being two different things. This is a woman who says all day about how she loves black people and how she doesn't see color and all her close friends are black. But look at what happens the minute that she doesn't get her way. Look at what happens the minute that she's upset. The minute that she's upset, all that goes down the drain. And the sad part about it is there are many of them that really feel like that that really truly feel like racism is not a thing anymore and we all are just tripping and we're just overreacting and we should just get over it and it's not even real we're making it real and the only reason why racism exists is because we're steady talking about it like there are white people that really feel like this and it's so funny because this is the same white girl where all these black people are saying like oh she's invited to the barbecue you know she can come through you know she's cool you know she have a whole bunch of black friends like why do black people love white people like that so much like the more black friends a white person has the more black men they date like why do black people just eat that up so much and then really truly feel as though this person is not racist So it's just so funny because this same white person that y'all were saying like, oh, you know, she's invited to the barbecue and she's cool and she's that, you know, look at what happens when the truth come out. That's something I, you know, I don't know how old most of my followers are, but what I will say, as you get older, you learn that lesson to be more and more true. So people could say anything. 
You know what I'm saying? There are some people that don't ever want to admit that they're wrong or don't ever want to admit that they need to change. But they they know it in their head. So it's like people like her, she knows what she needs to say and what she needs to not say in order to not be perceived as racist. Because we all know nothing pisses a racist person off more than when you call them racist. <laughs> like, for some reason, like if you want to really piss off someone who is racist, just call them racist. You know, nothing makes them more because they I guess they probably feel so transparent at that point and probably feel so exposed. And, you know, people tend to have backlash when they feel exposed and they feel naked like that. So if I had to guess, you know, why racist people get so upset when you call them racist, I would say that that's why, because they get so complacent and comfortable, you know, hiding behind their little their little invisible cloaks they don't like when you kind of pull that pull that uh blanket off and kind of just expose them I guess it just makes them uh feel like feel invaded and feel threatened so you always going to see them lash out so it was so funny to me that this woman is spewing this openly horribly racist stuff (laughs) in the midst of trying to explain that she's not racist and I'm sure I'm sure that after this she'll have a whole explanation about how she doesn't see color how she loves everyone how she hates racism and hates racist people and how you know her best friend from sixth grade was black and how much she loves her like I'm sure that that's next (laughs) I'm sure that that's next that's why I just did y'all also sorry I'm getting off topic somehow I get so excited by the time it's a week since we've talked when we do talk I have like a thousand things I want to talk to y'all about like like we're like literal best friends I'd be like oh so did you hear about (laughs) so um y'all saw the video of the sister she was on some show it was like today show or something like that and she was talking to the people about how she washes her meat and the white people were like you wash your meat (laughs) she's like yeah you know what I'm saying like you know you wash it with some lemon some apple cider vinegar and stuff like that and everybody in the on at the all the white people on the show were looking at her like wow like gee willikers you know like gee willikers she washes her meat like what do you wash it with like dawn soap like how do you wash meat gee willikers I was dying. I was like, bruh, like, that's exactly why, like, I don't eat from people. That's exactly why. I'd much rather eat from my own people. Because I'm like, bruh, y'all over here taking meat straight from the package to the pan. Okay, you ain't washing nothing. You ain't seasoning nothing. I'm like, you know, they love to put a teaspoon of salt and teaspoon of black pepper you know, so they put a little teaspoon of salt, teaspoon of black pepper on that dirty ass meat, bruh. And then barely cook it through, bruh. I'll pass. It was so funny. Like, they was dead ass like, you season your meat? They were amazed. And sis is like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sis is like, looking at them like, you don't season your meat? And they looking at her like, you do season your meat? <laughs> Oh my gosh, when I tell you I was cracking up, I was like, yo, this is really happening right now. And I'm like, bro, how how do my people coexist with these 
beings. Like, how do you really do that? That's crazy to me. So, in other news, I have a very exciting announcement to make. And that is that I will be hosting um, in an event August 10th through 12th. It is called Return of the Gods. Return of the Gods is taking place in sunny San Diego in Southern California. It is a three-day event, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And like I said, it's a family reunion of royalty. Um, As it's very important for us to have conversations about our issues as people, why we have those issues. But that is not what we will be focusing on this weekend. This particular weekend, we are simply going to be focusing on those of us that do get it. Okay, we are going to be focusing on those of us that are proud of ourselves for those of us that have, you know, re-Africanized our minds and brought it back to a healthy state for those of us that do want to build for those of us that do want to network with one another. This is what we are doing. So it's going to be. All of our Africans in the diaspora getting together. There is um, God and Goddess Chambers where if you want to stay, uh, we have housing available to stay at the event. Otherwise, you are free to book your own rooming and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to kind of go through a tentative, like, you know, light kind of agenda on what you can expect um, for return of the gods. So basically Friday night is going to be Friday is going to be dedicated to hip hop. So we have uh, professor Griff and the brand Nubians performing major as well as other artists who are, you know, conscious and benefiting our knowledge as people. Uh, we're going to have beatbox performances and competitions, rap battles, freestyles, and, you know, just kind of party, just kind of like everyone going to get to know each other. You know, we're expected to have thousands of people at this event and we come from all over the place. And it really is just a, it's just a bunch of positivity. Like it literally is a weekend of positivity. It's refreshing for people like myself where I've gotten to the point in my life where even if you're my people, even if you're one of my Africans, but you're still not vibing where you need to vibe for us as a people, it's hard for me to even be around you. And if you're like me, where you kind of crave that fellowship of your Africans that, you know, think the way you think and take this seriously the way you do, then this event is going to be refreshing for you. I literally have a countdown set up. Okay, so Saturday, uh, we'll be having guest speakers. Um, My queen that I adore, which is Queen Afua, uh, will be speaking So if you are not familiar with Queen Afua, she is an expert, natural, holistic African healer. Sisters, I recommend that you pick up her book. Uh, It is called, she has two books. One is a book on healing and the other book is called uh, Sacred Woman. 
She has so much information that is vital for us, especially as black women to have. Her book is like my health, my womb health Bible. Like I, whenever I have a question, I'm popping that book open, you know, in my journey into womanhood as an African woman. So she will be there. Ayana Gregory, which is Dick Gregory's daughter will be there amongst other speakers. I'm also going to be posting uh, more in depth about this um, on my Instagram. I have a special link that I will give to you all where if you want to purchase tickets, I will be uh, posting that on my Instagram for you. If you are not following me on Instagram, please do so so you can stay updated about the event. So we're in April. So this event is less than four months away. So right now is a good time to start booking your flights. Um, You know, children are welcome, but I say this is a great weekend for the parents to get away. Leave the kids at home. We're going to be in San Diego. It's going to be a bunch of Africans out there. You know what happens when a bunch of Africans get together. We ain't going to sleep. Okay, I already know what's about to happen here. We are not sleeping. We are going to be turned up. So parents... You can take this as an opportunity to, you know, have some you time, some mommy and daddy time or some mommy time or some daddy time, whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, so my recommendation would be leave the kids at home so you can turn up because we might as well make the best out of this weekend because this is going to be lit. Um, so every year there is a different dress code. Last year was white and gold. Um, this year we are doing royal blue and gold. So you want to go ahead and come in your best royal blue outfits. Cause we are going to, this is why it's called return of the gods. Cause we are getting all these gods together in one spot. Like I'm already shook at the energy. <laughs> like I'm shooketh. <laughs> I am shooketh at the energy already. So I want you all to join me. I am going to be um, giving my uh, feminine advising um, expertise there as well. I've already had some sisters hit me up about the event and letting me know they wanted to speak with me, you know, on mastering their femininity, uh, mastering how to get what they want without having to say anything um, and just speaking further about our scope of practice and responsibilities as African women. Uh, We do have vending opportunities available. I will also be out there. I bring my makeup kit everywhere I go. So sisters, I will also be out there um, to do makeup as well. And eyebrows also will be offering beauty consultations for sisters that would like uh, a consultation on what products will be best to use on their face, as well as doing um, consulting on makeup application for you specifically as well. So I'm very excited to work with the sisters. I am very excited to work with the brothers. My consulting work has been very fulfilling for me thus far. And, um, you know, I'm I'm excited to network with my people there. We're going to be sexy. We're going to have good discussions. We're going to have fun. We're going to have good energy. I am beyond excited. Uh, Like I said, please follow my Instagram at goddess6footer, G-O-D-D-I-S underscore S-I-X-F-O-O-T-A-H in order to get the updates on tickets how to buy, and as well as updates on where we are with the event. Once again, this is August 10th through the 12th. 
That is a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday return of the God's royal family reunion. Be there or be square. I have a lot of our family members that come to me and they're like, you know, sister, I really like the show. Um... I really want to start learning more about myself, more about my history, learning more truths, and that's great. So it inspired me to start a new segment on African and American, African and American, which will be the king or queen of the week. Every week we will learn about a new teacher, you know, royal member, historian, scholar, whoever. Uh, every week we'll be learning about someone new. We are going to kick off the king or queen of the week with a king this week. That is one of my favorite men in the whole world. Uh, he is no longer with us. However, we are referring to Dr. Yo Dr. Yosef Ben. He is a scholar born in Ethiopia. Uh, he was born December 31st, 31st 1918. Um, it's said that his mother is Afro-Latina and his father is Ethiopian. He was born to a Jewish family, uh, which he later renounced that religion. Dr. Ben keeps it real. He is one of the few teachers that I feel like keep it all the way a thousand. He did not hold back when it came to who we were. He does not hold back when it comes to speaking about uh, white people. He does not hold back when it comes to speaking about homosexuality. This is one man that played no games. So, of course, you have a brother who is strong in who he is and what he stands for. You already know they're going to come for him. So, they often try to discredit Dr. Ben, say that, um, you know, say that he wasn't really certified, wasn't really knowledgeable, calling his work, quote unquote, inaccurate. So, you know, this is where we have to have our own brains. Wasn't nothing that man saying was inaccurate. We already know they're going to try to crucify you, even if not physically crucify you in other ways when you are one of us speaking the truth about who we are we all know that so dr ben get familiar i'm about to play for you guys an excerpt excerpt from i can't talk today like what's going on i'm about to play for you guys an excerpt from one of my favorite lectures that he has done and it is on the male and female relationship um, everybody sit back, relax, and I'm going to play this excerpt from you, like I said, from one of my favorites, Dr. Ben. Do not go to West Africa by accident. That too is intent. We have a thousand, probably a million African writers. African writers on... Uh, the West African situation. Every time you look around and see a black man or a woman writing, it's about the slave trade. I am tired of slave trade. Uh, we have other things about our life than the slave trade. Not that the slave trade wasn't an important part in our lifestyle, but there's an aspect of the slave trade I wish that we could get rid of. And that's the biggest lie of all. All of us walking around talking about our African brother who sold us into slavery. We're the only people who have ever been in slavery by an enemy that charged our own self with the slavery and can't support it. Everybody you hear walking around with this damn nonsense about Africans selling his brother slavery can't give you the one, the name of the king, can't give you the name of the country or the period of time in which this took place. 
So I don't want to be another one to be added to this nonsense. I go to the Nile Valley because it is the foundation of man's society. And it is something that you must know. Many of you must have come from church today, the Christian church. Many of you just yesterday came from the Hebrew church, call it Hebrew-Israelite or whatever Israelite you want to call it. Many of you went to the Muslim mosque Friday night. But don't, none of you know that all of them are nothing but poor copy of what came from the Nile Valley. I say this and I'm going to make it clear, since you may have misunderstood me, whether you are Christian, Muslim, Jew, Hebrew, Israelite, whatever item you want to be, you're nothing but a poor copy of what your African ancestors did along the Nile. And that's why I carry people along the Nile. It makes no difference for me if you're an Arab, if you're an Arab jihad slave, mentally or physically. If you're a Muslim slave, if your master is an Arab, or your master, if you're a Christian slave, and your master is a European, or your master is any other form of Asian, an African who is enslaved to an to a master from another group is still as enslaved as the other. You can't tell me because you, you're Islamic, you're less enslaved than a Christian or a, or, or a Hebrew. I got rid of the one that I was brought up in, Judith. Got rid of it quick and not quick enough. And I have to tell the rabbi on the TV that. So those of you who think that by being Muslim, you're somebody special, or by being Christian, you're somebody special. Or by being Hebrew, Israelite, you're somebody, you're just jiving yourself. A slave, an African slave for any ism other than Africa, is strange that when you want to quit one group of European thing or one group of Arab thing, you get another one. You jump from the pot to the, from, from the, pot to the fire and believe it's an escape. But let us deal with it. First of all, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam believe in a world that started with two people called Adam and Eve. That's just yesterday. It is like saying that you had a mother and a father, but you had no grandmother and no grandfather. So when you're talking about Adam and Eve, you're talking about something just two days ago. You say that Adam and Eve, the world, is only 6,000 years old. Well, I go to graves. I go to graves. Triple that in age. 15, 18,000 years the grave been there. I go to tombs all over Egypt, and in particular, the Nile Valley, where the individuals die there are over 25,000, 30,000, 250,000 years before Adam and Eve. I'm talking about the civilian period. Civilian the first, civilian the second, civilian the third. Where the writings in Nedunetra is uh, are still there. If we go to the Tisli mountain area in the Zara, the northern part of Africa, you can see writings that go back as much as 500,000 years. And you're talking about some Adam and Eve. I don't care if it's Adam and Eve from Mecca, or Adam and Eve from Bethlehem, or Adam and Eve from Jerusalem. How strange it is. Isn't it strange that when you want to give up the slave masters, you never come Yoruba? 
You never come the worship of Ngai by, from Kenya. You never come the worship of Unkulukulu from the southern tip of Africa, among the Amazulu. It's strange. You never take on the religion of Budum, with the God the worship of the God Budum, which you mechanically call Voodoo here and make like sticking the doors and all that nonsense. <laughs> Some European tell you sticking a doll got to do with voodoo. Has nothing to do. That's witchcraft. Whole different ballgame. And you condemn the Haitians for worshiping their god, which is the same as your god, no worse, no better. I believe. That's why I go down the Nile. I go down the Nile to show you, for you to come and see that long before the Adam and Eve teaching, that your ancestors had concepts of God. Concepts of the, and no concept of the beginning of the world because Africans then were not stupid to believe that the world began at a particular point. If it began from what? From nothing? Can you get something from nothing? And the world, if God made the world, where was God when he was making the world? Nowhere? <laughs> Can you conceive of no, nowhere and nothing? And that they made matter from nothing? They said, and it was the word. From where did the word come? And who had the word? <laughs> Somebody must have developed the alphabet to get the word. <laughs> so I carried people along the Nile to see words older than your word. So rather than you've been there today, and the fundamental theory that you deal with, is your Ten Commandments. And it's the same Ten Commandments the Muslims deal with, the Christians deal with, the Hebrews deal with. Same one. And from the same line, that some fellow from Africa named Moses, your Bible said, born in the city of Goshen. And by the way, Goshen is still in Egypt. Egypt is still in Africa. Many of you don't have any idea of that at all. You think that Egypt is the Middle East. I don't know where that is. But that same lie that this boy named Moses, just born in 1346 before the Christian era, the 19th dynasty, the Egyptians, the Ethiopians, the Nubians, and others are ready in the 19th dynastic period when Moses is born. 19th dynastic period. If the dynasty started in 4100 BC, and Moses isn't born until 1346 BC, let's be quick and run the figure off. You talking about the dynastic period is 3,000 years before Moses got here. Okay? Are you saying that they didn't have any rule against murder? <laughs> huh? They had no rule against killing? Well, Moses was charged with killing the Pharaoh Ramesses, the second soldier, and had to run according to the same book. What was he running? The Pharaoh was looking for him to kill him for what? Killing the pharaohs for murder. Committing murder. Aaron. The pharaoh was looking for him, Ramesses II, because pharaoh is not the name of a person, it's a title, I mean head of the great house, or king, or emperor, or whatever name of power you want to know. We're looking for Aaron, Moses' brother, for stealing from the treasury. That's a nice family. <laughs> Two brothers this mother got Two children, two boy children, and one girl, Miriam. Both boys are bad, eh? a thief and a murderer. 
I don't know what Miriam, Miriam used to do. She probably sold some stuff in the street. <laughs> because that, that wasn't no nice family. Even though they were all born in Africa, based upon the story. Tell book of Exodus, brother, check it out. When you go home tonight, check it out. I know you got one, so you got to check it. Now, let's stop. You mean to tell me that before Moses, they didn't have those 10 commandments plus 32 more? I carry people in Egypt to see, to go with their own two eyes, and if they're blind, that somebody could read it off for them and say, here, I carry them in the, in the tomb of Ramesses VI at the Valley of Kings to see those commandments to see Goddess Hathor, to see Goddess Hetheru, to see Goddess Ma'at and others to whom these are, 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 are recited. The symbolism of when a man died. This is the mythology. When a man died, he has to come to Goddess um, uh, uh, Ma'at, who has a scale of justice, a scale balance. Symbolically on one side of the scale, the heart of man, or that particular man. And on the other side, a scale, a, a, a feather in the other side of the scale. And symbolically, the heart is to be so righteous that it is supposed to weigh no more than the feather of truth. Symbolically. And everywhere the African man shows justice, shows truth, he shows an African woman as the symbol of justice and the symbol of truth. Okay. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, his words are just so powerful. Like I said, I just really appreciate the realness. I just appreciate how he's not worried about people's feelings. He's more worried about teaching the truth. So that is our esteemed ancestor, Dr. Ben, and that is our King of the Week. So this past weekend, we were doing a fundraising event. Oh, for those that don't know, my son and I are a part of a homeschool co-op, a group of parents that kind of get together weekly to pool money and resources to make sure the kids get a good education in a home homeschool environment. My son has been in this since he was about four years old and it is working out wonderfully for us. It instills so much confidence in our children. It allows our children to be safer. We don't have to worry about mass shootings or worry about them being profiled or stereotyped at school. It allows them to learn how to make and manage money. Like I said, these children are raising funds for their own trip to Ghana and Ethiopia to kind of go back to the motherland and study abroad for some time. So it teaches the kids independence, teaches them entrepreneurship. It's literally the best decision I have ever made. Uh, it is pricey. It's especially expensive for me uh, being a single parent income. However, if you have both parents, it's very affordable to make it happen. I still make it happen because I just hustle and do what I got to do because my son is my greatest investment. So if that means, you know, less shopping or eating out or things like that, that's fine. As long as my baby has what he needs to be the kind of man I want him to be. So, um, 
we were at a fundraising event and you know there was food and drink there and it was it seemed so simple like my son loved asked me to get him something to drink I got him something to drink I brought it to him and whenever I interact with my son in any way shape or form I always give him like a hug and a kiss if I bring him something or you know, say anything to him. I always got to kiss him and hug him before he walks away because we just have a very affectionate relationship. I'm very affectionate with my son because that's my baby boy. So I brought him the juice, gave him a hug, gave him a kiss, and the brother sitting next to him, you know, they're, they're kids. So they're, you know, they have their little, con- little, little man conversations, I say. So the brother, he said, he said, Elijah, your mom's so nice to you. So Elijah was like, what are you talking about? She just brought me some juice. And he's like, yeah, but look how she gave you a hug and a kiss. He was like, that's so nice. He was like, I wish my mom did that. My mom never does that. All my mom does is yell. You know, so I'm listening to the young brother and I'm like, man, you know, this is something that I feel like we don't talk about. But a reality is that as black children, we are groomed. We are grown up to be, but to basically be taught that we don't deserve respect. We are beat on, talked to any kind of way, punished, told to shut up. You're not taken anywhere. Sit at grandma's house all day. We basically are conditioned to be taught that we do not deserve respect. You know, and this is something that I was guilty of before in my life. I had to take a moment to step back and reevaluate my parenting. I would find myself just saying recycled cliches to my son that my mom said to me, like, I ain't got to explain nothing to you. And because I said so and be and I'm just like, you know, why don't we explain anything to our children? Don't we want our children to have understanding? Why do why if, if somebody put their hands on us for any reason, we'd have a fit. So why is it okay for us to put our hands on our children? What we're doing is we are programming our children to accept less than they deserve. And we're conditioning them that way from toddlers. Constantly hacking on them. Constantly spanking them. Constantly yelling at them. And we're not even thinking about what that really does to our children because children who are constantly fussed at and yelled at, it makes them turn into the kind of adults that are afraid to do anything, afraid to take any risk, afraid to take any leaps of faith because they are constantly put down and yelled at every time they make a wrong move. And it gives them a a sense of nervousness. Usually successful entrepreneurs are people that had those kind of parents that treat them with respect and let them know like you, you it's okay for you to express yourself. It's okay for you to mess up. It's okay for you to make mistakes. And it wasn't until I had to observe in my own child years ago before I decided to change my parenting style, before I decided that children deserve equal rights as adults was when my son he dropped something made of glass and when he dropped it he looked back up me and looked and looked absolutely terrified like I was about to just go in on him because he sat here and broke this glass and when I seen him drop the item and then look at me with that fear and worry and anxiety in his eyes I just was like yo like he's afraid to make a mistake okay you drop something glass things happen it's not a big deal but when we have those parents that are constantly getting on you any even normal mistake you make gives you anxiety it makes you react wrongly it makes your it raises your blood pressure and in that moment I was just like man like my child is afraid to make mistakes so instead of yelling at him like oh my god I can't believe you dropped that which we're we're usually more prone to do I just was like it's okay son 
I was like, I know you didn't mean to do that. And he looked at me like, who are you and what have you done with my mom? And that hurt my feelings even more is that he was shocked that I was understanding about him making a mistake. And I was just like, oh no, what have I done? I am literally continuing cycles of unhealthy parenting to my child. And it's okay. Admitting that your parents may have raised you in an unhealthy way is not saying they were bad parents. All right, our parents didn't have access to the resources and understand that we have access to. They did their very best. They did what they thought was best. But we have to remember, our parents was the first generation of the quote unquote freed slaves. Okay, that was the first, that was that was the next wave. So a lot of the way that our parents were raised is very slave-like. And, and based in slave foundation. So I think a lot of us were afraid to say, hey, you know, our parents made some mistakes with us because we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to make it seem like we're ungrateful. You know, we don't want to make it seem like our parents didn't love us. You know, they definitely loved us. However, it is definitely time for us to realize that they definitely were not raising us uh, as well as it could. Too many things have become the norm for us. That shouldn't be the norm. All right, so now I went ahead and I said, okay, these young brothers, they, even the kids see it. The kids are starting to wake up like, hey, like, why are y'all treating us like this? So if we can have more patience, love, and understanding with our children, we build their confidence. We make them confident to be business owners, confident to go to college, confident to achieve um you know, successful employment and things of that nature. We build our confidence in our children. A lot of these people that, you know, are kind of like stuck in the hood, stuck in the same cycle, stuck doing the same things over and over. There's so many things that they are afraid to try because they have been so programmed to feel afraid to fail. You know, that, that fear of judgment, fear of consequence. So, you know, if if our youth are even realizing that they're not receiving the talking to, the support, and the true teaching and knowledge that they deserve, it's definitely our time as parents to go back to that drawing board and say, hey, okay, you know, it, it might be time for a change. It, it might be time to revamp. So, you know, we have homework every week. So we're definitely, again, working on the way we speak to our children realizing they deserve this is not an if and or but they deserve the respect we will see a healthier next wave of a generation if we begin to allow our children to express themselves allow them to make mistakes not stressing them out not putting more responsibility on them than they should have at their point in life this is very important because the truth is with the adults they're either going to get it or they're not they're either going to get on board or they're not our main focus has to be the children. You can't really change grown-ups, but you can mold children to be healthy. You can mold them to be what they need to be. So that is our homework for this week. I really enjoyed um, recording this week's episode. I just enjoy the show in total. I uh, We will see you next week uh, for our new episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Please continue to like, subscribe, and applaud. Also, special announcement, African American is going to be on video 
um, very soon so that we can not only have the audio, but we will you will start to be able to see me as well. I want you guys to be able to look in my eyes when I talk. So that is coming soon. You know, things look forward to upgrades to the show. We're constantly learning, constantly getting better. I am very ignorant when it comes to technology. So it's, I've been a little bit behind, you know, getting things done for the show. But either way, making the progress slowly but surely. Thank you for listening. And as always, peace, love, and black power.